This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Today, insha'Allah, we will continue the last bit of the story of Nuh and then transition into the next two prophets, Hud and Salih. Last week, we finished off talking about the dua of Nuh to Allah regarding his son. His son, Kan'an, in the Israelite tradition, his name was Kan'an, Kenan. He was taken away by the flood. And one very important point that I need to highlight, especially for us as parents. Our children are our amana. Allah has entrusted them with us. And we should try our best in bringing them up in the way that is righteous. Nuh son was brought up by his father in the best way possible. But he had two problems. His father didn't have much support from his people that affected this particular son and his wife. His mother did not support his father. And the mother is really most of what a child sees and witnesses because, generally speaking, the mother spends more time with the child. And the father is the pillar of the home. He must support the mother and the mother supports him. But when one of them begins to go against the other, the child uses one against the other. In this particular incident, Nuh had four sons, uh, what we know of, Sam, Ham, Yafith, and Kenan. The other three, they believed in their father and they followed him. As for Kenan, he went with his mother. But he kept it a secret. His father didn't really entirely know. His father had doubt. About 900, 950 years, Nuh tried to raise his son. 900, 800 years, I don't know. Hundreds of years he tried to raise his son properly. But in the end, it was found that he was among the disbelievers. Not only that, Allah subhanahu wa describes his son, not just a disbeliever, but he was an irreparable <laughs> corrupted product. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not attribute this product to his father. Allah didn't say it's because you didn't bring him up properly. 900 years with him or somewhere along that line. And Allah knows that Nuh tries best. That's the beautiful thing about believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and knowing that Allah is there powerfully. That if you do good deeds and nobody sees it, nobody knows it. Some people can probably blame you 
Allah knows what you're doing. So that's why a mu'min is at ease in relation to that. But one interesting thing about it is that Allah Taala said, إِنَّهُ عَمَلٌ غَيْرُ صَالِحٌ Your son is a wrong, corrupted act. He is an act that is irreparable. Why did Allah call him an act? Because Allah is saying that his son acted by his own accord and made the choice to be corrupt. He made the choice to be disrespectful and disobedient to his father. He made the choice to disassociate himself from his father and disown him. He made the choice to go against the religion while knowing 100% it is true. He knows his father. The verse is also recited in another way. If you come across it, uh, the, uh, the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us, it's in Surah Hud, that he said, O oh, Nuh, your son is not one of your family. He is an act that is irreparably corrupt. In another way you can recite it, is إِنَّهُ عَمِلَ غَيْرُ صَالِحِ إِنَّهُ عَمَلُ غَيْرُ صَالِحِ إِنَّهُ عَمِلَ غَيْرُ صَالِحِ And when you recite the Qur'an in these different ways, these are different ways that Allah sent it down, it makes the meaning even clearer. It says that إِنَّهُ عَمِلَ meaning he acted out his life to become an irreparable, corrupted product. It's his fault, not yours, Yanu. His son... As his father was on the ark and the flood was happening, his father sees his son at a distance and calls out to him, Son, please climb up on top of the ark with us and don't be among the kuffar, those who openly and deliberately reject the message of Allah. His son said, I'll go to a high mountain, it'll prevent me from the flood. So in his father's mind, he's still... His, his, his son didn't make it clear that he's a kafir. And this tells us as Muslims in our sharia that we cannot judge the kufr of a person if we don't know what's in their heart. And he said, I'll go to a high mountain. That doesn't mean he's a kafir. He's going to be among them, but he's not a kafir, maybe. Not I say, I'm still having hope. But maybe his fatherly compassion took over. And he says to him, son, there is no savior from Allah's decree today. As he's speaking to his son, they're, they're talking to him, they're looking at each other, they're talking. Nuh is trying at his last breath to try and save his son. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just cuts the conversation short. And it seems almost very harsh. But it's the right thing to do with Allah's wisdom. He says, He cut the conversation, the whole story apart. And says, And the wave came in between them, intercepted between them, and he was among the ones who drowned. That's it. Why? Nuh has hope. Allah knows there's no more hope. The more he leaves them talking, the more Nuh is going to be hurt because his son is probably going to say something hurtful to his father. So Allah just took him away. There's no chance. And also it teaches us as parents, never give up on your children no matter how bad they go. They are drug addicts. Whether they are thieves, end up in, in prison, excuse me, they turn homosexual, all these, you know, what do you do? Some of them, they become corrupt. As a parent, don't give up on your child. 
Yes, maybe sometimes you need to distance your child from the rest because maybe they'll harm them, such as drug addicts. But as a parent, don't cut your communication off with them completely. Try to reach out to them and look after them as much as you can. This is the example, Nuh right to the last minute, the flood is coming, he's going to die in front of him, he's still trying. Right to the point that Allah took him away with the wave and Nuh even completed his sentence. You see? This is a, a lesson for us, because I heard some Muslims, they use this as an excuse to, like a cop-out, my son is not good, therefore they just give up, I want to live my life. Nuh did not give up on his son. 900 and something years on him, right to the last minute until the wave took him away. Now the question is, didn't Nuh ask Allah to save his family? Allah promised him he will save him his family, so why did it take his son? Nuh kept thinking about his son during the ark when it was sailing. And when the flood went away and Allah told the sky to stop raining and the earth to swallow its water, and the ark settled on Mount Judi, in Armenia, most likely, close to Turkey today, most likely, we're not very sure. And Nuh climbs off the ark, everybody climbs off the ark, and the first thing Nuh does, he goes in secret, he puts his hands up and says, Rabbi in min ahli. My son is one of my family. SubhanAllah. He hadn't forgotten. All this time on the ark, Nuh fatherly compassion is thinking about his son. This is natural and normal. Even for a prophet, he's a human being. And in fact, it tells you that Nuh even though he is a living, breathing human being like you and I, he has desires and this proves that he has strong emotions like any one of us. Your son before your eyes is taken away by Allah. A kafir. You're never going to see him in the Jannah even ever. Hellfire for eternity. Allah. This is devastating for any father. And Nuh prophet of Allah, and as Allah has promised him, he says, Rabbi, my, my son is one of my family, and your promise is true, and your wisdom, your judgment is final. You are the wisest of the judges. Meaning, if you judge, there is no questioning of your judgment. It's final. When Allah decrees a matter, it's final. Death happens, khalas. We don't question Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, why, why, why? It happened, we have to accept it. It's Allah's decree, and there is a reason for it. We don't know. Some people, they say, but why did this happen and why did that happen? Brothers and sisters, let me explain something. When it comes to Qadr, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees something that is beyond our control, we have a limited mind to understand the reason behind it, and we never will completely. For you to understand Qadr completely, you would have to have the knowledge of the past, present, future, the entire universe from beginning to end and everything in between at every second, every millisecond. To know and understand Qadr when it happens, which is impossible. A human being cannot. Therefore, you will never completely understand why Allah does certain things. But I'll tell you what a mu'min is supposed to do. The Prophet ﷺ told us in the Hadith Al-Qudsi that Allah said, Ana inda abdi bi. I am the way when my worshipper thinks of me in a positive way. Allah is not negative. Therefore, you will only find him when you think positive of Allah because that's who Allah is. When you think of Allah in a positive way, positive things occur because you are in line with Allah's guidance. You are with Him, not against Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never does something unless there is a hikmah, a wisdom behind it. And at the end of the day, inna lillah wa inna ilayhi rajiun, we belong to Allah and to Him we shall return. 
Muhammad وسلم, when his son died, Ibrahim, and he was burying him, he was only two years old, his eyes shed with tears, and Abu Huraira said, Ya Rasulullah, you're crying? When you told us not to cry over the dead? I mean, they started to assume that this is like an objection to Allah's decree by crying. Rasulullah said, no, that's not what I was talking about. This crying that I'm shedding here is the mercy which Allah gave the human beings. It's mercy, meaning these tears relieve you, they help you. They are Allah's mercy in a human being. Crying is a mercy. And he said, it shows the love. What Allah forbid is wailing and objecting. And he said, we accept Allah's decree and our tongues say nothing but what pleases Allah. Nuh and Prophet with his uncle Abu Talib, Ya Ram, please just say the word, the shahada, I'll, I'll listen to it, just whisper it in my ear, I'll bear witness in front of Allah. He said, on my forefather's religion. Rasulullah was very devastated also for his uncle. Nuh addressed this in a different way. Though. And Allah replied to him by saying, Ya Nuh, he's not one of your family, he's a corrupted act. Do not ask me something which you have no knowledge of. I am reminding you and teaching you in case you become among the ignorant. Why is Allah saying that? You are asking me to save your son based on the fact that you think he is a believer. You're still assuming that. Whereas you actually didn't know his heart. I know his heart, Ya You should have known that from before and not asked me that question. Inni a'idhuka. I am reminding you and teaching you so that you don't be among the ignorant, meaning so that you do not ask before you think. You ask me before you think. Asking Allah before I think as a prophet is not suitable for you. Had you thought a little bit more, you wouldn't ask me that question, which will help you accept it. But what was Nuh doing? Allah is showing us his fatherly instincts took over, his emotions took over. Immediately Nuh responds by saying, Rabbi, inni a'udhu bika an as'alaka ma laysalaka bihan. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you, save me from asking you something that I have no knowledge of. Meaning, to, to ask you for something that I expect you to do, when I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Please, don't make me one of those who question you. And if you don't forgive me and have mercy on, upon me, I will become among those who are lost. As if the flood never happened, Nuh returned back to his high prophethood once again from being a father, a human, to a prophet. Prophet human. This also teaches us from a fiqh aspect. When we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Never make a dua expecting Allah to give you something specifically. And then when that specific thing that you expected does not happen, you feel cheated or start thinking you've been cheated by Allah. When we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to be open. It could happen, something else could happen. That's the meaning of dua and tawakkul. Dua doesn't mean asking. Dua means getting close to Worshipping. The dua of istikhara. Ever heard of istikhara? A lot of people say, they always ask me about istikhara. I made the istikhara dua, I didn't see a dream or I saw this dream, I didn't see a sign or should I see a sign? My brothers and sisters, istikhara, when you read it and you understand its meaning, 
It's not telling you, oh, show me a sign or show me a dream. The shaitan comes in and tries to swerve you away. Don't, don't rely on dreams. There's nothing in, the, in our sunnah that tells us istikhara is shown through signs and dreams that you somehow come down from the heavens. No. Istikhara is, oh Allah, if you think that this is good for me, then grant it to me and bless it for me and reward me with it. And if you think that it's bad for me, then keep it away from me and me away from it and give me in return whatever you see is good. For you know, I do not know. You know the future, I don't know. That's what you're saying. <laughs> and then we expect a particular outcome. I mean, that's not how it works. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala either closes the doors and it gets more and more difficult obstacles to get to what you asked for. And that's the sign. Or Allah opens the doors and makes it easier to get to. And Allah grants it for you and blesses it for you. So Rasulullah and the Sahaba is always one the Sunnah. They used to say, don't try to ask Allah something specific unless it's absolutely necessary. Like, oh Allah, save the people of so-and-so who are being persecuted. Oh Allah. But when you're going to ask something in general about wealth or provision, Rasulullah used to always choose general du'as. He used to say, oh Allah, I ask you all goodness. And I seek refuge in you from all badness. I ask you for the best of today. And I seek refuge in you from the worst of today. Allah knows what's good, He knows what's bad. He knows what's best, He knows what's worst. You rely on Allah and sail along with Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His, in His decree. That's the mu'min who has tawakkul. So now, Nuh alayhi salam has taught us that the ultimate family connection is not on blood. It doesn't end there. It ends with your religion, with your deen. In this world, you may be with blood. In the hereafter, Allah separates between the blood relatives and only those who worshipped Him are the ones who enter paradise as a family. This teaches us that no one is superior to another based on their bloodline. And you Muslims, never think or believe that you are blessed or your blood is blessed somehow because you found out that your family tree, for example, comes from certain righteous people of the past. Some people assume that if they come from the bloodline of certain righteous people, that they are blessed automatically. Or people actually go to them when they know, let's say for example, that they find that they're from the bloodline of the Prophet or from his family. They think that their dua is more superior than anyone else. Or that they have more righteousness. SubhanAllah, nowhere in the Quran and Sunnah does it say that. If anything, Abu Lahab himself would be in paradise now. Abu Lahab, but Allah cursed him. And he is from the bloodline, the direct bloodline of the Prophet so my brothers and sisters, our superiority and our uh, favoritism with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not based on your blood or your color or your race or your gender or your size or your wealth or your status, nothing. Only on your deen, your righteousness and your acting in righteousness. Brothers and sisters in Islam, and so the ark rested and Nuh alayhi salam lived for another few hundred years after that. And they had more children. The most correct opinion is that everyone who was on the ark, from among them, they still had children. And you had the civilization, human uh, race started again. The Asian, the African, the Middle Eastern, and the rest. Everyone else, the Caucasian, all of them. Came from this particular, that small amount of people who were on the ark. And we mentioned last week 
Some historians say that they only came out from the last, the three sons of Nuh, Sam, Ham, and Yafith. And they say Sam, the Middle Eastern, and the Caucasian came from him. And they say Ham, the, uh, uh, the um, Africans. Africans, and from Yafith, they say the Jujumatjuj, uh, and the Mongolians, and the Asians, and the Turks. But these are Israelite traditions. And we don't have any reliable hadith about it, except a reliable hadith, um, which is in Ibn Majah, I think, where the Prophet ﷺ, he told us that uh, he had three sons named Sam, Ham, and Yafith who believed in him. Other than that, we're not sure. Not important. Nuh was called the second father of mankind in the hadith. Abunathani is the second father after Adam and Nuh was an Arab. Rasulullah he said to Abu Dhar, Ya Abu Dhar, in this hadith which is in Ibn Habban, he said, Ya Abu Dhar, there were prophet, there were um, one, two, three, four, five, there were five Arab prophets. Nuh, Hud, Salih, Shu'ayb, wa nabiyyuka ya Abu Dhar, and your Prophet Abu Dhar, meaning himself, Rasulullah They were all considered Arabs. And there are two types of Arabs. The original Arabs, Al-Arab Al-Ariba, we said this in Mutuqla Tasira, Wal-Arab Al-Musta'arab. Arab Al-Ariba are the original, original Arabs, we don't know where they started. And Yemen is a very strong Arab place. And Arab al-Musta'araba, the Arabs that became Arabs out of mixing with the original Arabs, and they usually start from the time of Ismail alayhi salam. So, then Nuh alayhi salam died, and his children died, and they gave birth, and alhamdulillah, the whole human race returned back to Tawheed. Tawheed, the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worshipping one Allah alone without any polytheism or partners with him. Time passed, Allahu A'lam how much time passed. The ulama talk about a thousand, two thousand years. And then subhanAllah, the shaitan came back, the human beings got ideas and shirk returned. SubhanAllah, when, 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 when something false starts once, it sets a precedence. <laughs> It shows up again. And when the haqq, the truth starts, it shows up again. Here is the thing about truth and false brothers and sisters till the end of time. There will always be truth and its supporters. And there will always be false and its supporters. The truth will always conquer the false. Then another false will come up and the truth will come against it again. Then another false will come up and the truth will come again and the false Always. This is the sunnah of Allah that he created in life. In order to test who stands by the truth and who stands by the false. There are those who are righteous and they fix and those who corrupt. <coughs> so, and the thing about it is it's frustrating because the false travels very quick and the truth takes small steps. They say that the false reaches halfway around the world before the truth has taken a step. But eventually it follows. Allah, you don't have to do any control. Truth shows up itself. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then has to send another prophet to the people to return them back to Tawheed. And so he sent the prophet Hud alayhi salam. He is Hud from the people of Ad. The people of Ad. And they existed in parts of near Yemen, Oman and Hadramut. Yemen and modern-day Jordan used to be called Transjordan as well. And today you will see in Jordan, in a place called Petra, you can look it up on Google Images, and you will see, subhanAllah, their buildings, their architecture, their homes that were carved into the mountains in, a, in the most magnificent way. Massive homes, inside of hills and mountains, rocks. Still one of the wonders of the world, at least for the non-believers. For us, we know what happened. And they are in Petra, Jordan. People visit it. It's a tourist site. When a Muslim passes by it, you should not pass happy and excited. You should pass pondering and thinking. And it's okay to pass by them and look at them. Because Allah says in the Quran, Say, travel in the land. And go and look at the remnants. Of those who were before you, whom Allah destroyed, as a result of their own deeds. And Allah mentions Aad, and He mentions another people called Thamud. They were cousins. Aad, Thamud. We hear about them in the Quran a lot. In Surah Al Fajr, there's a lot of them. A lot of mention of Aad and Thamud. In Surah Al A'raf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by saying, Wa ila And to Aad, the people of Aad, we sent Hud. They were an Arab tribe. He said to his people, O oh my people, worship Allah alone. What is wrong with you? Uh, what, what would other gods but him benefit you? Do you not think? And something about the Quran that I want to mention here. The Quran is the religious book that mentions reasoning and thinking more than any other holy, other, you know, holy claimed book in the entire world. The Quran is the only book that, uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which mentions more than a hundred times the words, do you not reason, do you not think, do you not ponder, do you not estimate, do you not value, do you not calculate, do you not think. So obviously a mu'min is not a blind follower, they think, they ponder. <laughs> and then he says, Again, the elites, the leaders of those who disbelieved said, SubhanAllah, it's always the leaders who cause corruption to the world. And then you have to have people who are not known by name to come back and gather together to bring people back to the truth. SubhanAllah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does he say in the Quran? He says, leaders who corrupt. Allah gets rid of them and gives to those who are oppressed to take over. And that's exactly what happened when we come to inshallah the story of Moses, Musa salam, when he made the children of Israel, the current day Jews now, in those days they were still alright and worshipping Allah in the correct way. He saved them from being slaves to overthrow and, and take over Pharaoh and, and become, and, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them inherit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this, Allah says we always want to favor those who have been oppressed in the land 
We want to make them leaders. So whenever corruption happens with the leaders, before long, brothers and sisters, Allah SWT exchanges them and brings people who were at the bottom to the heights all the time. So the, the high people said uh, to, uh, to Hud, the same stuff that, that the people of Nuh said to him. Same stuff. Until today, in our 21st century, you hear the same words. What are they? Huh. Wallahi, they said, that we, don't, inna fi we don't see you except among the ignorant people. The ones who doesn't know, who has no intellect, who's not intelligent. You are not advanced. You are primitive. You know, you don't think except primitive backward like the olden days. We're talking thousands of years ago, and we called the primitive times. They were telling Hood, you think like the old and primitive times. Stop thinking in the past in your old era. <laughs> like what they say today. You still follow a book that is from the time of the deserts 1,500 years ago. No, that's not what you base it on. You look at the information, you look at the words, you analyze it, and you see, is this... I mean, we take science from scientists who were in 11th century, 15th century. We still use them today. Why? Because they stand to the test. Not about how old it is. Not about who, who produced it in which era. We look at it. It stands the test. Until today we still use it. And it's great technology. So they said, ah, you're, you're primitive minded. You still think like the olden people and backward. That's, it, it fascinates me. It's like maybe 30,000 years ago. Ah, you're a liar, you're a falsifier, you talk rubbish, rubbish. Now they say BS is a common word now. And he said, that, I'm not an ignorant person, I'm not backward-minded. I am a messenger from the Lord of all the worlds. How can you match that? The Lord of the one who created you in the entire worlds of the universe. You're going to match that? You're calling me an ignorant person? I'm here just to inform you of the messengers, of the messages which my Lord has brought to me to give you. I am a trustworthy advisor. Just like Nuh I fear upon you. And now Hud is telling him the same thing. I fear upon you. I'm an advisor. I want the best for you. Are you he said, are you, uh, are you amazed? Do you take it for amusement or amazement that a man from among you has come to you from your Lord? Like, just like the way Nuh people said it. Said, well, didn't Allah choose anyone but a man like us? He walks in the market like us, speaks like us, you know, he's like us. He said, well, are you, are you amazed that Allah has sent you a messenger just because he's from you? Strange about people. They always want, if it's a messenger from God, he has to have something amazing. He probably has to have wings or powers to... Uh, shoot lasers from his eyes or something. Allah's messengers are normal human beings. Why? If you're bringing a messenger and he's a role model, he has to be like you. Otherwise, you can't copy him. Allah said in the Quran that the people of Quraysh, thousands of years later, told Muhammad the same thing. They said, Why can't Allah send an angel? A man who speaks our language and walks in the market. Allah said, If I brought you an angel, you would have said, Well, he's an angel. We can't be like an angel. Even today we say, hey, yo, talking about the prophet. And he's a prophet, he's the prophet, we're not prophets. I mean, he's an example of values and morals. Of course he can't be exactly like him in character, but he's a, a, a role model of value, practice some of it. So, uh, he said to them a lot of stuff about Nuh, and he reminded them of the people of Nuh, and he reminded them what Allah did to the people of Nuh, and he said, remember Allah's favor upon you. 
And he started reminding them. He said to them, <clears throat> they said to him, have you come to us to tell us to worship Allah by himself? Come on, man, that doesn't make sense. One God, one, one, what's one God going to do? We need lots of gods. <laughs> Strange human beings, you know. If it's not one God, it's a lot of gods. If it's not a lot of gods, it's I'm the God. If I'm not the God, science is my God. There has to be some kind of false God. Subhanallah. And none of them can be gods. Allah is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And they said, you want to cause to worship only one God? And you want us to leave all of what our forefathers did? We will never leave our bloodline. We will never leave what our forefathers did. This is a common statement today. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you something. Why are you a Muslim? Are you a Muslim because you were born from Muslim parents? Or are you a Muslim because you believe in Islam? Two different things. Muslim is a noun and a verb. You choose to submit. Same as Christians. Why are you a Christian? I was born a Christian. What do you mean you were born a Christian? Nobody's born believing in something in particular. You have to be taught. A Jew. I'm born from the bloodline of Jews. They say, therefore, I'm a Jew. You can't be a journalist of bloodline. Allah never... It's as if we're saying Allah is unjust. He creates and favors people automatically by their birth. No, everybody is on the same platform. Everybody starts and works towards and earns what they what they work for. Allah says in the Quran, لَيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَىٰ Man will not receive except what they work for. وَأَنَّ سَعْيَهُ سَوْفَ يُرَىٰ Your actions will be watched by Allah. ثُمَّ يُجْزَاهُ الْجَزَاءَ الْأَوْفَىٰ Allah will give you the just reward for your actions. Brothers and sisters in Islam, they said, we won't leave our forefathers' religion. We will never leave our ancestors' religion. We are, and we are, and we are. This action of supremacy based on your color or your race. Islam demolished it. And all the prophets demolished a long time ago. So he said to them, look at what Allah has given you. He's given you signs. These people were massive. They were huge. They were actually, probably they would hit this, as tall as this roof, right up to the roof of this masjid. And that's why when you go and see their buildings in Petra, the doors, the entrance is actually quite high. Allah knows best why they built it that high. Maybe that was their height, maybe half, the, maybe double their height, I'm not sure. But they were massive people. Allah says in the Quran, وَزَادَكُمْ بَسْطَةً Allah gave you uh, lots of size. And then Hud said to them, Are you going to argue with me? Are you, are you arguing, putting your argument to me? Is this your argument that you're just sitting here telling me about some names and definitions that you and your forefathers made up? Is this your argument? People made up stuff and guns and use that as an argument, me? So these are the, the prophets. They all said, finally they said, bring your punishment upon us that you promise. You're a fake liar. So Allah then, Yehud said to them, فَانْتَظِرُوا Okay then, then wait. إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُنْتَظِرُونَ I am waiting as well. Let's see what's going to happen. Allah says, so we saved him and those who believed with him, with our mercy, and we cut off every link to his people. We cut off every essence and bloodline of those who belied our verses. Ad are an extinct nation. There are no more Arabs from Ad. Allah made them extinct. Allah says, 
in Surah Al-Fajr. Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ad. Did you not say what Allah did, your Lord did with Ad? Irama, that al-imad. Iram is where they were from. That al-imad, meaning they used to build high pillars in the sky, meaning they were technologic, technologically advanced. They used to make castles and palaces in mountains and rocks and in valleys and bring the rocks out of valleys. What technology they had, only Allah will know. Even much greater and more magnificent than the pharaohs and the pyramids. And he said to them, you have all this technology and Allah gave you these brains and advancement and instead you used it to have istikbar, pride. Brothers and sisters, we are not advanced by our technology, but we are advanced by our justice and values. That's the advancement. So they said, bring upon the punishment. And so, my brothers and sisters, Allah gave them exactly what they asked. Allah destroyed them with the winds and the earth. And we don't know where they went. There are no fossils, no skeletons, nothing. Only their buildings are left. Nothing else. Allah says, far away with them, the people of Ad. Hud lived on, and then he had another prophet coming out from his tribe named Salih. Is it actually out time? Five minutes. Now we bring us to the Prophet Salih. The people went back to Shirk. Why? The children of Ad, not the children of Ad, the, 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 the people that came from those who were with Hud what did they do? They started to come up with ideas again. They saw the remnants of their forefathers. And they thought, wow, let's continue. And shit came back, subhanAllah. Maybe within about 200 years. Salih alayhi salam was sent to a people called Thamud. They were the cousins of Ad, another tribe. And they were Arabs as well, as we said. Allah says in the Quran that Salih said exactly the same thing to his people as Nuh and Hud. Said, Oh, my people, worship Allah. <laughs> Allah says in the Quran, We never sent a prophet to any people ever except to do one thing worship Allah and don't make partners with Him. That's it. Don't sit there taking over the world and destroying the world and advance the world. One simple thing live on earth as, 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 as much as you like, but worship Allah and no one other than Him. That's it. Nothing else. And you'll be okay. Subhanallah. As they say, you had one job <laughs> and you couldn't do it. You stuffed it up. That's how people are, subhanallah. They can't sit there worshipping a being they don't see. They have to see something. They have to build statues out and they have to spill, they have to make amulets, they have to make uh, talismans, they have to make something that, you know, it's like when we make dua, we think that we have to see some sign. There's a good friend of mine. On YouTube, he talks about his instant when he first became a Muslim and he's sitting in his room saying, Oh Allah, show me a sign, show me a sign. Coming into Islam, he was expecting what Christians used to say. Oh, you've got to see some miracle. Nothing happened that night. It's really good. You listen to it on YouTube. I mean, I can't say it as good as him. 
And subhanAllah, nothing happens. SubhanAllah, he, he says, I read in the Qur'an as I was reading that night that uh, Allah says, he mentioned the heavens and the earth and the surroundings and he said, you asked for Allah's signs. Do you not see that I have given you enough signs around you? I mean, Allah's existence is shown through his signs that are in front of us all the time. But man always wants something divine. My brothers and sisters in Islam, Thamud did exactly the same thing and they were even more advanced than Ad. Salih and Thamud. Thamud built and carved palaces in mountains as well. This, this tribe, I actually made a mistake before, Ad. Yes, it was in, in parts of Yemen. I meant Ad was not in Jordan. Thamud was in Jordan. Thamud. Salih is in Jordan. I made a mistake. So, Ad are actually a few kilometers out away uh, from Mecca. You can actually visit it and you can see their buildings there. That's not on Google. It's hard to see unless someone's gone specifically to take photos there. But what you see on Google images are the ones in Jordan. And they're actually Thamud, Salih. So, just flip them around. Ad over there, Salih in Jordan. Yemen and, and, and Saudi is close. So Ad was there and they were extinct. Thamud, Petra in Jordan. Now what happened with the people of Salih? Same thing as Ad, same thing as Noor. They called him a liar, they started mocking him, they started teasing him and so on and so forth. He advised them, nothing worked. Only a few followed him. And they were among the lower class, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah, you go out to homeless people, genuine homeless people, and you find that they, they have generosity. A lot of, I mean, what is it about going through these hardships and these trials? It develops some kind of character and value in you, you feel like you a chance to show. These people were the elites, they were too proud. And they refused to follow Salih. So Allah sent to Salih something to make a challenge to them. He said to them one day, he gathered them and said, what will make you believe? What do you want me to show you? What do you want me to, to do to prove to you? And they said, come here, come here, come here, to all the elites. This is going to be fun. Allah talks about it in Surah Al-Shamsi wa Duhaha, in Surah Al-A'raf, a bit in Surah Al-Hud, in Surah Al-Fajr. Allah talks about how they came together and the elites wanted to make fun of Salih. And it hasn't changed till today. One of them said, all right, we want you to bring us a she-camel out of nowhere. It can't be born, it has to be like that. And it has to be a female. Why? Because they valued female camels because they can breed. Very expensive. Another guy jumps up and he says, oh, I know, I know. Not only has it come from nowhere, see that rock over there? Big rock. He said, it has to come out of that rock. A third person stood up and says, not only does it have to come out of that rock, it has to come out pregnant four months with a male camel. And everybody started laughing. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah, what else? What else? Think of other things. It's like today, when people mock people who believe in God. Ever heard of the spaghetti, the spaghetti monster? Ever heard of that? They mock us. Where is this imaginary God? Ooh, stupid. 
But this is what they say. They mock and very surface-minded. Laughed and laughed and laughed. When they stopped laughing, Salih looks at them and he said, If I did this by the will of Allah, will you believe? He said, yes, of course we'll believe. She came out of nowhere, out of a rock, pregnant. Of course we'll, it's a miracle. He said, okay, wait. They waited. Time passed. And truly, subhanAllah, this is in the Quran. One day they gathered and they saw this rock started to crack. Cracked over a few days. Wallahi, before their eyes, out came a she-camel. It's called Naqat Salih. The she-camel of Salih. When it came out, everybody started, oh, what's this, what's this, what's this? Instead of believing, they were more astonished about how it came out. What trick is this? What magic? What technological advancement is this? See, every prophet comes to his people with a miracle that suits them. The people of Had and Thamud, they are technologically advanced. They use rocks, they carve in buildings, they love technology and science. So Allah brought to them something similar to this. Out of a rock, scientific. But instead of believing, they said, what science is this? Instead of saying this, Allah created it, they said, let's figure out the formula and what they used for this to come out. Like atheists today. Salih said, hold on. This is Naqatullah. This is Allah's Shikam. There are conditions. It's sacred. None of you is allowed to harm it or own it. Number one. Number two. No one is allowed to prevent it to graze in any place it wants. Number two. You can go on your farms. You asked for it. Not allowed to harm it. Number three. There is a well in our village, in the city. That well, the whole tribe is to drink from that well. It says, this she-camel needs to drink. And you know she-camels need a lot. It's big. They go, it was the biggest she-camel we've ever seen in our life. And its baby was born after. It needs a whole day to drink from the well. No one's allowed to touch the well for a whole day. So one day for the she-camel. And one day, the city can drink from the well. You have to share it with the she-camel. You asked for it, you have to now take responsibility. They said, uh, okay, and the leaders started to sign, and they said, okay. But subhanAllah, only a few believed. The rest didn't even believe. Instead, they were more astonished how it came out. And they, were, and they all wanted this sheikham. They wanted it for themselves. They wanted to make fortunes out of it. What happened next? Well, next is Aisha. <laughs> it's time for Aisha. Some of you are looking at me think, keep going a little bit. And others, brothers, they're giving me a bad look. So I'm going to have rightfully, rightfully. No, inshallah, jazakallah khair for your kindness, my brother. Uh, we have to respect and honor the people who come to pray. Some people, they have other work to do. So inshallah, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to stop here. The camel is born, the she-camel. And now it is grazing. There are conditions. Only if you believed. And instead of looking at Allah providing it, they looked at scientific work. And then inshallah next week, we will talk about what happened to the she-camel. And then what happened to the people of Salih. And then we will go into the next prophet.
هذا وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والسلام عليكم